Yes. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. I'm Michelle, and Diana is here as well, of course. And we actually have our uh, first returning guest, uh, Tanya Bjork. And did I just butcher your last name, Tanya? Because if I did, I'm very sorry. You got it. <laughs> and um, Tanya was one of uh, Diana's co-hosts during my hiatus uh, in December when I had to adult for the month and get ready to move instead of hanging out and talk about, you know, books and wine and everything awesome that we do here. <laughs> I actually, before we get started on what we're reading, I thought I'd share this wine that I found. I don't know where, remember where I found it. Um, I think... I think where I might have gotten it. I don't know. I can't remember, but it's um, close the chance. I don't know. It's a Chardonnay. That's what the label looks like. It's pretty. And it's spicy. <laughs> it's a spicy Chardonnay. Like I drank it. I was like, wait a minute. It like totally took me by surprise. And I'm actually So I thought it's true. I know. I'm kind of loving. I went label shopping with my mom last week, and basically just picked out a bunch of wines purely based on how awesome their labels are. And I found this Sicilian wine called La Bastarda and has this woman sunning herself in like a 50s bathing suit and it's awesome. But it's also very good too. There used to be one, um, there was an Il Bastardo and then La Bastarda that had a hippo on it that I absolutely loved. So I don't know if it's the same makers or not, but it was just fantastic. I love label shopping sometimes. It's a lot of fun. What are you drinking? I should have brought the bottle up because it actually has a, a gorgeous, um, it's not even a label, it's like printed directly on there. I just got Trader Joe's. It's called Dearly Departed. It's got a, a, a skull made out of flowers on it, um, and it's just a, a red blend. Yes, I, have, um, I drank that in October, right around our Halloween time. I love that one. It's a really good one. Yeah, I hadn't tried it before, and I said, um, picking wine by the art on the label, it's never let me down. <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid technique to pick out some good wine sometimes. Apparently. Yeah, and that's why the wine companies put so much into the labels. I have a friend who works for a labeling company that specifically does the uh, labels for wine. And yeah, it's... It's a serious business because there's people like us who are like, okay, we've got to go by what the label says. Yeah. Well, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like wrapped up here tonight because it's winter has, has hit a little bit. We've dropped into the teens today. So I have to add layers because it's freezing out right now. Oh, no. Walk this afternoon and it was 68 out. I, like, hate you I actually had to wear an overcoat, Michelle. I, it's, I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> I kind of feel, I feel like I was 
going to join you guys on the episode that you came on, Tanya, in December, because I know for sure I had questions written down for you. So I almost feel like we've already spoken just because <laughs> I, like, I had my questions prepared. But now yeah. I can't find that list anymore. So we're going we're gonna to wing it tonight. <laughs> Um, I actually, because I know we ran out of time, I went back through the list, and I was surprised we actually did cover quite a bit of it. Yeah, we were efficient. I don't even know what I did with that list, because right now I'm leaning it, since I'm working on the Book with the Oral Literary Festival, and we're in that last month of pressure. So, excuse me for tonight, because yeah, everything's just on the fly, because I am not preparing for anything. <laughs> So uh, I guess, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, I was going to ask if we were, um, what we were going to cover first. <laughs> well, I guess I'm completely new to the comic book world. Your, um, your comic was actually, I think the first one I've ever read. I mean, besides like kind of just flipping through one. Um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, what kind of challenges do you face when you're when you're working on a comic book series? I mean, you have to completely visualize your story besides writing it. How do you how do you approach it where you can create an entire world um, from both sides, the illustrations and the story? It's I was I was thinking about this about um, when, people are making art for a comic book, they are basically like a, especially in a world that you're inventing, um, fashion designer, and then I got to thinking, oh, but you're also the casting director, and you're also the architect, and you're also, you know, like the um, location scout. And for me, I think it's best to just try into one piece at a time, otherwise it's very overwhelming. Uh, sometimes I'll have, for a project, I'll have a very clear idea of exactly what's going on. And then there are other times where I just kind of like, I'll make a quick note. Like I, I still have the scraps of paper that I used when I made the first issue, um, which was the 24 hour comic book day challenge. So there wasn't a lot of time. And it's really like, I have just like a sentence for each page. And you kind of go back and you kind of drill into the details. Um, and then for a larger project, a lot of it's just like checking continuity a lot. Like when I, I designed the character, it wasn't very symmetrical. Like she's got bracelets on one wrist and like the, the jacket pushed up and then she's got two rips on one knee and um, just to like making sure you don't accidentally reverse those. Um, I'm not sure if that answered your, your question. No, it did. I mean, you, you know, writers, we have, we have writer's block where, you know, we hit a wall and we can't figure out how to get around it, but you have every kind of block to, to get around sometimes I would imagine. So I, I don't know. And, and I can, you know, I can draw a stick figure and, and call that art. So I really, I mean, I mean, you know, Lily can draw a mean stick figure too now. But, well, I mean, Don Hertzfeld films, like, don't knock stick figures. XKCD. Mm -hmm. But it was amazing stuff that's been done with stick figures. 
Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't put that much stock in my stick figures. <laughs> yeah, mine I think are barely stick figures. It's, it's a loose terminology of stick figures. It's like Picasso drawing a stick figure. Right, yeah, I use that term loosely. Uh, <laughs> or you say Picasso drawing stick figures. There is actually a very long-running comic called Bean World. Where it's about these, these characters that live in like a two-dimensional world. And it's it's kind of if Picasso drew stick figures. So, yeah, that, I mean, it's <laughs> that makes me think of um, <laughs> just because my my world you know revolves around kids now. That makes me think of Inside Out. If you guys have seen the the um, kids movie with joy and sadness when they're going through the tunnel of abstract thinking and they go into the different dimensions. Yeah. Oh, see, I'm so glad when someone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, I mean, those are decent stick figures. Mine are not. Well, it's practice, right? I mean, you think about handwriting, like you're, you're literally learning how to draw these letters when you first start. They're, you know, they're not uniform. They're kind of all over the place. <clears throat> it's, just, it's practice. But it's definitely a, an investment in time. And for those of uh, you who didn't join us in December, who don't know what comics we're talking about, um, Tanya's comic is the Havenhurst series. And I know the last time we spoke, you were looking at getting issue five out. Yes, it was wonderful. <laughs> uh, how are you coming with issue five? Is it uh, still in the works? Or? It is still in the works. I um, There was an incident where my thumb got sprained. It's it's still not quite quite back to normal. And then I got a cold for a month straight, <laughs> um, and then my back started acting up. So it's like I I was so excited about getting ready in time for WonderCon. That's not going to happen, but it's it's still happening. I'm penciling the pages. <laughs> Good. Uh, I'm very excited about about getting that out. <laughs> well, one of the things I talked to um, I was talking to Michelle about before you joined us, uh, before we went on the air, was that. Um, what I like about comics in a lot of ways is like they're, they're little short stories. Like before we had comic series, um, going back to like the 1920s and beforehand, we have short stories that were told in snippets or like just one issue of a newspaper or a literary magazine. Um, like with our, um, not Ernest, I'm looking at Ernest Hemingway and I'm thinking Ernest Hemingway, but I mean Scott Fitzgerald. Um, where uh, that was a lot of his day-to-day, -day, how he made his money in between his novels was with those short stories. And there's so many elements that are similar um, to the to this comic and the short story where you've got this intimacy um, within, the within the comic. Um, what are your thoughts on that, with Tanya, with the comics versus short stories? And I think I need to drink more wine because I'm babbling. <laughs> um. Well, as as I was saying before the before the live bit started, is I have two stacks of examples of comics, and one of them is anthologies. And one of the really great things about anthologies is not only do you get a variety of stories and styles, but you have these these short self-contained stories. And some of these, like you know, I've read like you know the big thick epic uh, comic series. I mean, my 
probably my first biggest influence was ElfQuest, and that's been going on for like decades now. Um, but there are stories from anthologies that are, you know, have been like four or six pages that have stuck with me. Like I still think about them. Like they're just so powerful. I love it, and it's great to hear that they have anthologies with comics, like they do with short stories. Because I mean, you know, Kurt Vonnegut's short story, um, one of his short stories, has stuck with me since I was a teenager. The Lady and the Tiger short story is my by far one of my favorite short stories ever. Um, so I love that. I love that idea of that. Yeah, and I've heard it said like if you can't tell your story as a short story then you don't know your story very well, which I think is a, is a very interesting concept. Yeah, I think the same could probably be said with uh, comics, because even though you have uh, points where you have to, where you leave off, you have to know exactly where you leave off. You've got to have your climax going through. And just because you have, you know, you're leaving the, the audience hanging, doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're just going to end the story right in the middle. That's yeah. what happens with stories, that, with books that do that. Um, you can't have it with a comic either. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. So, yes, exactly. The, and that's the big thing, too, is you've got to be good at doing the storytelling because the art's only going to get you so far. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're definitely going to notice if the writing's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I picked up a... Um, <clears throat> Well, there was a, that, a newer version of Alice in Wonderland that I picked up because the art looked interesting. And the storytelling wasn't so great. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not for me. I shouldn't just pick up something just because it said Alice in Wonderland on it. Lesson learned. <laughs> I, I think that's really interesting for comics and, um, and graphic novels that you have to make sure that you're writing I mean, I imagine that you would have to make sure your writing matches your art. That you have, you have to come strong from both sides. Otherwise, you know, one won't. You can't rely on one to carry the other. If, if you know the drawing isn't strong, you won't hold your audience. And if your writing isn't strong, then you can't count on your art to to carry it through. Yeah, and this gets very tricky, especially if you're looking at a collaboration. Um, you know, people who, who don't do all of it, uh, they need to team up. It's like you, you need to find a good fit between those styles. And that's a lot of collaboration in the comics. Well, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, you think yeah. of, like, the, the big two publishers, you've got people who, like, you don't even have just one person doing the art. You've got sometimes somebody who's doing the pencils, and then somebody who does the inks, and somebody who does the flatting, which is in preparation for the person who does the coloring. It's, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of, um, a lot of roles to fill. Yeah, yeah, I remember going through the storyboard with you when we were looking at how you were doing Haven first. And yeah, that's a lot of work to do a standard comic series. And, and it all has to work together. Like, it has to be a good fit. See, Michelle, we have it easy by being uh, writers. Writers, <laughs> <laughs> we have it easy. <laughs> yeah. So for, uh, for people who, like myself, who don't really know what goes into the type of work that goes into creating a comic, could you just give us a really quick overview? Because I had, like, what you were just saying, the pencils and the matting. Oh. 
<laughs> I had no idea that there were so many steps. I thought I would just draw the picture and go. We're introducing Michelle to a whole new world tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are people who it is literally their job to letter. Like, that is all they do. They just add the lettering to a comic. And there is an art to it. Like, there is a science to it. Like, um, yeah, you can get, like, really, really complicated. But I was showing, like, I still have them up here because I'm, I'm doing the penciling now. Um, but uh, I first start out with the script. And um, even before that, I kind of go, like, you know, talking about, you know, having the same arc with the climax and the ending and everything. Um, I decided I was going to do these all a set number of pages. So I'm going through, and each of these pages is a beat. I'm trying to, like, what happens here, what happens here, what happens here, to kind of space everything out um, and make sure that it all works. Then I have the actual script where I figure out, like, how many panels on each page, what is the exact dialogue going to be. And then I do the, um, the thumbnails. So this is just basically, like, a very rough just to kind of get the composition and the flow of what the page is going to look like and make sure the dialogue fits. I think hopefully it's light and small enough. We're going to watch this on our phones later, going like this to like zoom in. Well, this is only the first 17 pages out of 48, so it shouldn't be too bad if you can. Um, yeah. uh, you're, you're right, it is pretty light. I couldn't see much. So I couldn't really make out the shapes too well. Uh, then I have a, um, a clothesline that I hang up on a wall, and I pencil out the pages. And once that's all done, then I go back and I ink, which is doing like the final art. Uh, then I'll, what I do is I scan it in and then I do the coloring. Uh, and then and people have different processes. Like some people will letter digitally. Some people will do the coloring and the shading with, um, with actual like watercolor or ink washes. Some people do it entirely digital. Uh, the process is a little bit different for everyone, so it's just kind of whatever works for for each individual or team. Wow, it's a lot of work. That's yeah, that doesn't even get into pre-press. Like, don't even get me into like just how complicated blacks get. Like, you think black would be black? That is that is not the case. <laughs> this is a whole new world I can obsess over and like knit. <laughs> In. It's very exciting. Absolutely. And it's great for you to like think for a moment if you want to have a quick read. So, like in between, like while the kids are running around and doing their thing, you can totally pick up a, you know, a nice quick read. And be able to you finish something with while the kids doing their thing. It is. And I, you know, I, I was able to read. Um, the Havenhurst series that um, Diana, Diana sent over to me because and I thought I was going to come on the show and join you guys, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to read these things, and I don't even know when I'm going to find time. But then I sat down, and I was like, oh, this is easy. I can read this very quickly. But it's so – it's really kind of daunting to hear how much work goes into 
a comic when you can go through them so quickly and they're there's you know so easy to to get through and, and to read but then you know you can go back and take in all the details that you may have missed the first time around but that's a lot of work it is myself and like Ryan who we have our, our comics in these neat little plastic um, keepers so that rubby hands <clears throat> me, um, don't ruin them and they don't get destroyed so as soon as you read it it goes right into the into here doesn't get bent doesn't get ruined because in so many ways there's so many that are still very uh, collectible and I know with when it comes to Ryan he loves um, getting the first editions and he loves seeing the ones like the, that the artists do because he really appreciates especially the cover art. He's a cover art fan when it comes to the comics. And um, yeah, so so does he get like all the variant covers? Yes. Yes, he likes the variant <laughs> covers. Those are those are his favorite, um, particularly Rocket. Rocket is his favorite uh, comic series right now. He has a slight boy crush on Rocket Raccoon. I guess it's considered a boy crush. You can't really consider that a bestiality crush. Um, for those of you who don't know, Rocket is from Guardians of the Galaxy. Obviously, the little raccoon uh, that has a really foul mouth and likes to make jokes. <laughs> I got him the, um, the graphic novel series. There was like three of them, two or three of them in his series. So he got that for Christmas. Nice. When we write each other on our Christmas presents, and I was like, in order for you to open this, I need this, 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 and that guy's fake leg. And he's like, what the hell did you get me? <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm like, just open it, just open it, you'll see. <laughs> Don't question my genius. <laughs> <laughs> so Tanya, what comics do you have that you can recommend, recommend to Michelle? All right. So we're recommending them to Michelle, so Michelle can take notes so you can, so you can learn. And I'm getting some of these recommendations from Tanya because she's got such, obviously such great taste in comics I've never heard of. So, um, so I, like I said, I, I narrowed it down to anthologies that specifically feature women and creators who do both the writing and the art. Otherwise, there would be too many. There is a writer, Kelly Sue DeConnick, did a um, a thing on Twitter. It was like within 24 hours, if you are a woman artist making comics, I will retweet retweet you. So it was like a um, hashtag visible women, and she got inundated. Like there were too many. She had interns, like, and she wasn't able to keep up with everything coming in within a 24 hour time span that came out of a tweet. Um, <laughs> So there's, there are a lot of us. Uh, the first one um, I pulled up, I don't have her nautical specific comic yet, um, but I thought of her specifically because of the book Golden Dragon. There's, you know, so many, so many terms. There's just like, you know, if I had worked on a tall ship, I would probably know what this means. <laughs> uh, but Lucy Bellwood, she um, describes herself as a adventure cartoonist. Hmm. So she has uh, cartoons of going um, comics documenting her trips uh, doing whitewater rafting 
down the Grand Canyon. She actually did work as a tall ship sailor for a couple years. So she has a, um, a large uh, collection called Baggy Wrinkles that includes a bonus comic about the history of scurvy. Nice. Uh, and she's an all-around fantastic person. And this is um, this was a book that she credits with kind of kickstarting her career. Uh, and it's just about basically being a comic creator. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's like it gets into some some heavy, heavy topics. But it's, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. I was flipping through earlier, and it's like this is years ago. Like she's grown so much as a creator um, since then. Just interesting to see how the art shifts, which is is always nice to see. Um, next one would be. A little, still a little bit along the lines. Um, Kate Beaton. She does a lot of historical comics, and if you know you want to talk about something short, like, I mean, this is this this is the Secret Garden. She does like a lot of um, comics based on hi history and literature, and she usually kind of poke fun at it with a little bit of a feminist angle. There is your girl, Diana. I know. I already. <laughs> Buy herself this weekend, so um, uh, Napoleon. That's so cool. Uh, and she's got a couple of kids' books out now, too. Um, another one is oh, what is this? Oh, uh, Jill Thompson, this scary. Godmother. She also does artwork on a series called Beasts of Burden. It's basically um, it's animals that solve mysteries with like a horror slant. But she does all of her stuff is it's not like this is all watercolor. This entire thing, and the art is just gorgeous. That's crazy. It's, yeah, it's pretty insane. Like, there's like no digital. Like, I've seen um, videos of her work and she's like, she's so fast. <laughs> it's insane. You guys, I need a job just to support my book habit, and you guys are adding to the list. Well, in general, I don't find it to be. Super costly, which is another thing that kind of is kind of when it comes to all that work that you put in. Because, gosh, tell me how much do you charge for your comics? Uh, five dollars for the um the current issues. The the ones now on are going to be ten because they're twice as big. Mm -hmm. Understandable. That makes sense. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not you know that much. And like when you go to like the comics book story, I mean, I paid as little as a couple dollars going all the way up to like. Five or six dollars, depending upon how you know how you know old they are and how popular they are. So I mean, they're really not that you know they're really cost effective. Yeah, yeah and when you go and buy like a hundred of them at a time, it adds up. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> true. I mean, I could think of worse things that that I have you to never worry about. On books, you never overspend on them. It's, it's an investment. 
It's all research. It's all research. Yeah. yeah. For me, it actually is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, already with the uh, person that you pulled up, was it, um, not Kelly, uh, Lucy. I could already see, I could see some of her influence, some of her influence on what she's done, like, at least with her, her, her bubbles. I, I saw a little bit, you know, there might be a little bit of yours, so it's like, um, is Lucy one of your inspirations, art-wise? Uh, I actually discovered her after I started making comics, so we must have a common inspiration. You must. Here. So I'm kind of curious what that is. <laughs> you might have to look into that now. Yeah, I, know, I, I would love to meet her one day. <laughs> uh, this one is, um, this is a young adult, and this one actually, this creator has been on the New York Times bestseller list for years. So it's kind of interesting when they talk about like comics being sold, um, they don't bring her up. Of course, the New York Times got rid of its comic section, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, it's a recent thing. But this is, um, this is about a girl that has an unfortunate incident with her teeth and has to have braces. And just, of course, all the, the things that come with being um, a girl turning into a young woman. And dude, I had braces when I was a kid. Like I had like the headgear and the spacer and everything. I would have loved for this book to have been around <laughs> during that time. Um, but she's got a number of books out. They're just like selling like crazy. Um, so it's interesting that you know this has kind of been at the top of the um, the bestsellers list for so long. But when we talk about the success of comics and um, what comics are, like it's so weird that she gets left out of the conversation because it's. A woman making slice of life comics about that is geared towards young girls, young women. You know, when people think of comics, sometimes all they think about is the Marvel and DC, the superhero cape comics, but that's not what comics always were, and that's not what comics all are to this day. And I think it seems a little very situated where you have the male. Um, perspective on comics where like you said there's so many women that one um was it um uh pseudo pseudotonic where she got inundated by women in comics because it is that stereotype still where you have it's a male dominant question where was it dc is primarily uh, men that work there uh, hardly any women from what i understand um yeah it's a very small I, somebody just posted those numbers earlier today actually um but yeah, it is definitely mostly men, which is why it's like when you um, when you look at indie comics, it's so many women, and it's because they're either not interested in what those big publishers are doing, or they can't get in the door. Mm -hmm. But there are definitely women out there doing amazing work. Yeah, I mean, even looking at the ones that I have, because mine are a little bit more mainstream, and I mean, they're still. Um, you know, there's still women involved, you know, at least one moment on most of my, the comics that I've got here. So it's, you know, it's something that we need, I think we need to push a little bit more. But hey, this is, you know, comics aren't just for, for boys. And, you know, things shouldn't be just gender uh, specific. Like, 
um, I was back to Star Wars when we brought up the story when we had um, Rachel. I'm not sure if you met Rachel through Bubble First yet, but we talked about how with her being a stormtrooper and people are like, wait, you're a girl and a stormtrooper? We talked about a few stories where it's like, you know, we had female stormtroopers who are, um, you know, they have to take their helmets off because people don't believe that it could be a girl. And I've been to events where um, I went to one and the kids just, they lost their shit over one of the, <laughs> it was, we did it, um, we did an event for um, orphans at the uh, Orangewood Children's Home. And it was just this very select private event that we arranged. And um, one of our scout troopers was a girl that was there. And the kids were like, she spoke. And the kids just, they lost their minds. There was, uh, there was a lot of girls there. They were like, you're a girl? This is so awesome. And they were following her around. They're holding her hand. They wanted to they, they wanted know everything about her. She was their, she was their favorite person. Well, I should say second favorite person because the stormtroopers got grilled. And when I say grilled, I mean, I thought I knew a lot of Star Wars trivia. These kids knew more than I did. Um, wow. <laughs> they were. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where we're going to have to break the, those stereotypes. I mean, obviously, I like having you on. And you do an awesome comic. I love your comic. Thank you. Uh, it's like we, we talk about those kids. It's just like you can't you can't see somebody's face light up when they see themselves portrayed. Mm -hmm. You know, like see themselves reflected in entertainment or something that they admire. You can't see them light up like that and say representation doesn't matter. Exactly, it's just so important. And that's actually one of the things where like, I keep getting asked if I'm gonna um, if I'm going to do anything with the 501st and like one of the things is just like it would be kind of cool to be able to take off my helmet and like hey <laughs> <laughs> that's what pushed me into getting my stormtrooper outfit uh, even though i haven't put any work into it since uh the holidays um it's because i wanted to be able to to have do that representation where i could look up my helmet and be like yeah i'm a girl what, what about it um, because I've seen the kids react so positively to it, so. Yeah. So, anyways, I think we should probably start talking about the Golden Dragon. I think it's that time. Yeah, I had I had way more books, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, that, that goes to prove the point. It's just like there's there are just so many, and these are just like the ones that I have. It's not even all the ones that I want that are like narrowed down. Um, and like, so yeah, there's just like, there's a lot of amazing women. And yeah. I think with mine, the ones that I pulled out, my primary ones, um, mine were with kick-ass portrayals, pretty much, of women. Um, like when Dark Horse Comics had the Star Wars series, they did um, Star Wars Legacies, which I was sad that ended once things went back over to Marvel. Uh, the villain, Jane, uh, was it Jaina Solo? She was a great, great granddaughter of Han Solo. She was pretty awesome. I really liked it. And then, wait, just real quickly, Marcy Thompson. You guys have all heard me talk about Marcy Thompson. And <laughs> yes, I've heard her. Yes, and you can finally read the series now because it's on comic form. Not just the, not really. It's not the book series per se, but it's other adventures in her universe. Oh, okay. So, I'm finally excited to read this. Um, 
And then who does not love Tomb Raider? I mean, seriously, especially the, the, re the rebooted Tomb, uh, Tomb Raider. Um, the new Laura Croft is, I like her, she's pretty kick-ass. Um, she's sexy, but not like unrealistically, I'm gonna wear shorts in the middle of the jungle, um, sexy, because that's just not realistic. Yeah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, anybody who has ever been to a tropical climate can tell you, you don't wear shorts in the middle of a jungle. There's things like malaria and snakes and other weird creepy crawlies and vines that make you itch. I know this from experience. But those shorts look so convenient. when you're like trying to actually do tough rough and tumble stuff. Now, just I have one more quick question before we do the before we do Golden Dragon. Um, in as a oh, okay, do you say comic book writer, artist? What what's what's the proper term? Um, I just say creator. Creator. Okay. As a comic book creator, how how close is the the community of other creators? Is it really tight-knit or is it kind of difficult to break into for, for a new uh, a newcomer? Or how, what is it like in that world? Because it's a whole different culture that I really don't know anything about. Yeah, well, I guess like kind of going into the whole, um, it being like a whole new world, so are you talking about the zine community? Or the indie community, or the webcomic community, oh, or man. the fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am a member of a um, a group called the Ladybugs. It's the Los Angeles Women's Comic Creator League. I'm not in Los Angeles anymore, um, but I still belong to them. And they meet once a week, and they actually they've got another anthology coming out soon. Um, but they had this one that came out. I've got a, a story in there. Um, so that's that's a really awesome group, and it's it's you know it kind of has like its little groups like people who tend to have um, similar styles or, or interests will kind of like clump together, just like any other um, group where social and professional tends to to overlap. Uh, but it's a very small community, so it's it's interesting. Like when I start thinking about how many people I know in the comic book community, and um, I think I might have gotten lucky because it was in the Los Angeles South Bay area, and there there are a ton of creators there, um, a really strong community. But then there's also two creators who um, I really enjoy. Uh, it's Katie Cook, who did a web comic called Gronk. Uh, and she actually she did a lot of adorable Star Wars art like I don't know like the Facebook stickers that are like cute little Star Wars drawings. Those are hers um, and Jeremy Bastian who does Cursed Pirate Girl, which is Gorgeous the art it's done like 1700s French cartoon like cross hatch um, They are both from a small town called I don't even know how to pronounce it in Michigan Mm-hmm so it's it's kind of a, like there there are these communities everywhere, um, but you know geographic aside, like online, there there's a lot of ways for all the comic creators to connect, and it's it's interesting to see how it's such a huge 
and small community at the same time. Interesting. <laughs> well, I have like a list. I've, I've been writing down basically every name that you've been saying. So I have my, my, my starters kit for comic books now. <laughs> I'm sure my husband will thank you guys later when I go on Amazon and start searching for all of these. And no, but, can we get now comics that you mentioned? Are they available in your general store or do you have to go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble? Um, most of these that you you can get in a store if they don't have it, they can usually order it um, pretty quickly or online. Um, a lot of them are available online. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any. Yeah, like these should all be pretty easy to find. The the Ladybug Anthology might be trickier, but there is a way to order online, or the Comic Bug in Manhattan Beach has them, uh, just because it's a it's a local based um, community. And I think they're they're working on getting that on Comicsology, so it should be on there soon. So Michelle, that means you have to go make an adventure over to uh, the comic book store near you. I wanted to go. Yeah, I know you sound so depressed. I guess if I have to. <laughs> Comic book shops are better than they used to be in the 90s. It used to be a very different yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah, the first time I went into one, like, it was really only, because I read, I kind of read comics when I was a, a kid growing up, and my cousins had Superman, and I'm sorry, but Superman is a douchebag. I can't stand him at all whatsoever, even though the gorgeous Henry Cavill now plays him. I've tried, I can't do it. Um, and Lord knows, Michelle knows I love my Henry Cavill. But I'm waiting for the true story for Michelle. <laughs> I just, you know, for Superman, I just can't get get behind the fact that he takes off his glasses and no one recognizes him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that. I mean, you have the other Mass Adventures who have the stuff, and you're like, oh, gee, I can't tell who it is. But it's. It's a reverse from what everything else is. I think that bothers me too. Where, sorry to get on this sidetrack, where you have like the real person, like uh, Peter, who's Spider Man, the real person, he's a nerdy teenager. But his alter ego is that of the Spider Man who is everything that he feels that he's not. And Superman is a complete mirror opposite of that. And I kind of find it a little insulting to the human race. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I come from. So that's the world that I was raised with, and so I never really fully got into comics until I was much older. I love superhero movies. I love movies. I love cartoons. And um, gosh, I want to say I think my husband was gone, and all of a sudden he's overseas in like 2010 or 11, and I'm messaging him. I'm messaging him like, oh, I went to the comic book store today, and I got this, this, and this. What? You're in the comics now? Yeah, they're great. And he just thought it was really awesome. But the first time I walked into a comic book store, I expected it to be something out of like Big Bang Theory, where I was going to be this weird girl, the only one in there, and it was going to be this awkward situation. And yeah, it's nothing like that at all. Yeah, it used weird. to be. But I don't it's not anymore, and I, I honestly, I do not think Big Bang Theory for for pushing these stereotypes. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So see, it's on my Twitter now. Yeah, and it's like, there's the one that I go to on Huntington Beach. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it. It's, I just know it's over on um, Beach Boulevard in the Target Shopping Center. I want to say it's Comics Unlimited. Um, I think it's their name. They used to be next to a Thai restaurant, which is now a, um, a pizza place. But, you know, there, there's girls that work there. There's a couple of girls that work in that shop. And the other one, I went to another one, too. And it was really great watching a father and daughter shop for comics together. Where the daughter is maybe like nine, nine or ten years old, and she's like, I want this comic, I want this one. And Daddy, we don't have this one in our collection. It wasn't his collection, it wasn't her collection, it was our collection. And she oh. was just, that was the thing that they had together was comic books. That was the father-daughter thing. Yeah, and I love that. And, you know, I love this, you know, changing attitude of the comic book world where it's very inclusive now. Comics are for everyone. <laughs> they are. They really are. Everybody is represented in them. Everybody, all sorts of people who create them. I love it. Well, so. that being said. <laughs> that being said, I send them under the golden dragon. So where is everyone? I read a little bit more um, tonight. I, I did take a little bit of a nap before the episode because I'm two hours ahead of you guys and it, it's late. Um, <laughs> but so I'm right around chapter four right now. I think we're all kind of in the same place. Maybe. I might be wrong. She's probably ahead of us because she's the one that actually stuck to our schedule. Okay. <laughs> I've read through eight. <laughs> See, this is why I love one of the reasons why I love having Tanya on as a guest is it's you know as soon as I ask her on, great, what book are we reading? And what's the schedule? What chapters should I be on? And she actually does it. Whereas Michelle and I, who are the hosts, um, totally slacked off. I honestly, I had I went away to San Diego this weekend, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna have I had I've been so busy, but I'm gonna have all this time to to read this because you know I absolutely want to read read this book, especially since it's our book of the month and um, Eva is our Eva is our we've got one friend named Eva and then we've got now Eva. Um, she's one of our authors at the book of the Oral. So I'm like, I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna have all this time to read it because my husband sleeps in till like ten or eleven o'clock since you know he works at night. And yeah, no, I did not be I was not able it up at all. We had such a tiny room. If I turned and we had hardly any light, so if I turned on the light, he was like, he'd start stirring within minutes. And I'm like, what's up? When are we going to get breakfast? And <laughs> one morning I thought it was going to be all cool until sneak out, we'll get coffee. I was like, I need a shower. Here, what are you doing? Like, oh, <laughs> you want to go get breakfast with me? I know it's I know it's a romantic weekend and everything, but yeah, I'm just I was just gonna just sneak off and read a book. No big deal. <laughs> so I'm only at chapter four. <laughs> but you have lots of new um tiki tiki glasses. Yes, we pretty much doubled our collection. I would imagine. <laughs> we, we had a lot and there were some he was surprised I even there were a couple that I wanted that I had to pick up and ask. So he was like, sure. I wasn't expecting that. I'm not gonna tell you no, especially on this. All right, don't question it, just say yes and move on. Exactly. So 
speaking of the all-inclusiveness, what are you guys' thoughts on our main character, Miriam? Well, I, I, I really like her. I feel like, you know, Dido's crown was in Tunisia last month. I kind of feel like we're circling the, the same region-ish. Not really, but kind of. Which is nice. So many books, especially one of the reasons why I like The Golden Dragon too is that so many of the, um, the steampunk era stories are set in London. Almost every single one of them are in London. And you get a few, there's um, The Native Star, which was in San Francisco, and you're starting to see more pop up on, um, in the United States. But now seeing hers, we've got, you know, we start off in, she's from Iran. Um, the story takes place in that, I forget which country we're actually in, but it's definitely. I think it's Algiers is yes. where it starts. Yeah, and then now uh, where I left off, they're talking about going to the South China Sea. Yeah, we are, I just, so she has her new mission. All right, I want to find out what she did or what's going on to make her so indebted to uh, the British. Yes. <clears throat> because they are kind of like treating her like their own personal expendable little spy. Like, oh, if she dies, it's no big deal. I'm trying not to give spoilers right now, aren't you? <laughs> and, it, and it's worth it to her. So it, it had to be something big. Right? I mean, otherwise I'd be like, okay, just, you know, let me off at the next island and uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're like, oh, I can let you off in Algiers, or, or, you know, let you off the next part, or I can just take you back to Iran. And she's like, no, 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 The dangerous mission to, to um, that involves pirates in the South China Sea. Right, yes. Although I, I want to mention, speaking of... of Pirates in the China Sea. Are you aware of Madame Ch Chang? Yes. I am not. Yeah. Who is Madame Chang? I know my pirates. I know my pirates. Yes, Madame Chang. I love her. Uh, I, I'm, I, I kind of have my finger. Like, I don't even know if it's the right time frame, but I'm just like, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Now that you say that, I'm like, like, I, I love that she actually retired. Like, she had this huge, massive fleet, and she retired, unlike, you know, the nasty ends that all the, so many pirates tend to meet. And that's, you know, that's another great thing about, like, female pirates is she gets, she retired. Grace O'Malley was a pirate, too. She retired, too. The women do it right with We know when, to, when it's time to step down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, My dog is with us. It's interesting that she's like, she's so confident when shit is going down. Like, you know, when the, um, the British Navy is bombarding right. the city. And then there are the times. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, okay. Yeah, she's a church attitude, but when it's not a crisis situation, she doesn't seem very sure of herself. Like, she seems kind of like, you know, sort of, I don't want to say demure, but she, like, she, it's interesting to see, like, how she behaves when she's under fire versus when she's in a more normal situation. 
I wonder how much of that is a cultural influence too, because you consider the fact that she came from Iran. It's a very strict culture, and you know the women are meant to be in so many regards. Uh, not making generalization, but so many regards, women are meant to be seen and not heard. So she's supposed to be demure to an extent and shy. And when she's acting in these, you know, dangerous situations, she forgets that. And her, I think, I feel like her real self comes out in those dangerous situations. But yet, when she's not in those dangerous situations, she's able to. She has to think about it and get paused. And I think that kind of it's such a great point with her character. Um, one thing. I'm gonna write that down. Uh, and I, I checked to make sure that I wasn't going to be doing spoilers um, because I did read ahead. But when they're having dinner and they talk about um, how the men were served pork and then they had like a separate fowl dish prepared for her because of religious preference, the way it's stated, it doesn't say that that is her religious preference, just that it's a, that they are assuming that it is her her religious preference. So I'm kind of curious about that. Well, I think it's a cultural thing too. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm having to come up with questions for our discussion for Book of the Arrows. I kind of, I had a stalemate and that was like such a great question. I was like, I think I'll write that down because, you know, not only we're going to have to ask her at the end of the month, but I'm going to talk to her about that at the festival too. Looking back to what you're saying with pork, um, it's, no, I don't think, it's not just a religious thing, it's a cultural thing. Um, my husband was stationed in Afghanistan and, and Iraq, and I would send him packages, and the one thing I wasn't allowed to send to him was pork. Uh, anything, any pork products, like they would ask me what was in there, and if, I, if they saw like, like if I put um, like, a so like sausage or something, they would ask me what the ingredients were, because pork was actually, it was illegal to even ship it into the country. Oh, interesting. Wow. Because uh, when I was growing up, um, my mom dated a Muslim man. He was actually a, a refugee from uh, Jordan. And during that time, like, you know, for breakfast, like, we would get turkey bacon. Like, we would just, like, didn't do pork at all. Uh, but he was very, very devout. So, um, but, I mean, that makes sense. Like, it's predominant in the country. Lead over to... A cultural thing. Um, and what I found interesting is that she like the the way it's worded is like it's it's an assumption of her preference. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to play out because it seems very very coy about like disclosing exactly, you know how how close she is to those those views. From she's pretty happy to let them <coughs> to roll yeah. with their assumptions. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's easier for her to fly under the radar and yeah, whatever she's actually doing than to like stop and say, you know, oh, you know, I'm good. Pass that this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably simpler. Yeah, then she's like, oh, oysters. I'm just like, yeah, they've got stuff for me here. I love it. I'm just going to roll around while they keep talking. Love that about her. I'm interested to hear about her relationship with her black, uh, with her uh, black father, her, her stepfather. Blackwell? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it, she, I have, you know, I've read 
just passed that dinner. So, um, you know, she just found out that her stepfather is going to be in Hong Kong where she's going. And she seemed like not thrilled about that. When, when I read the name, um, when they said, well, you know that, uh, his name is Francis, Francis Blackwell is stationed there and she didn't react. I was like, wait, that's her stepfather's name, right? Like, why aren't you happy? So I feel like there's like family drama going on that we need to learn about. Well, I think the word drama specifically was used in reference to, to what she's running from. And she's not running with her family. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So I feel like she's, she's going to be a, a really complex character. And I sense sarcasm in the future because... You've got a wonderful radar for sarcasm, <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't like you. She doesn't take any crap from anyone. And she kind of plays... She plays the fact that she's a woman to her advantage, and she lets, like, you know, she raided the Lady Elgin's closet by pretending that all she wanted was a pretty dress. I was, I think, like, there was a, a point where she said, like, it's, it's not easy to convince men that women are stupid. Right, exactly. So, she, I mean, she plays it up well to, to work in her favor, and I like that about her. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking notes. Are you writing down questions as we go? Yes, yes. We have all these wonderful questions that I'm like, we're, we're not going to be able to wait and ask um, Ava and, you know, at, the, at the festival. It's going to be, we're going to be asking her these specific questions when she comes on. Because, uh, yeah, she'll be on at the end of the month. Well, we're going to have a lot more because you know me. I <laughs> need you. That's 20 questions, no. It's, you know, it took me, for some reason, we've been reading a lot of historical fiction lately, and now switching into kind of like the science fiction realm, it took me a little little while to like mentally shift to, to be able to, you know, focus on what I was reading. So at first I kind of was like, wait, what's going on? Like, what war are we in? What... What's happening? Who's fighting who? <coughs> yeah, especially with all like the technical nautical terms. Um, I thought it was interesting that they weren't upfront with her about the nature of the non-such. Like she's gonna be writing this thing, right? It's a crack ship. Like, come on, she, you think she's not gonna notice that she's in the air? Yeah, yeah. It's like maybe it'd be a good idea to mentally prepare her for an experience like that. Also, the non-such. What an amazing name for a ship. <laughs> I do love that name, though. It's <laughs> now that and Valentine Dashwood. I mean, some of their names are on point. Dashwood and who is the captain of the, the non-such? It's uh, like Maxwell it Maximus Something. I want to say it's like it's like Alexis or Lexus. I don't. Did one of you guys have the book? Everybody went downstairs. Thor. Thor. With an E. Thor. That's right. Thor. That's a very common name. <laughs> All of these names are like very 
grand, you know, like they command a, a huge character. So I'm, and I'm, I, I don't want to, I'm not positive, but I'm starting to sense like the possibility of a love triangle since Dashwood wants to go too, and he's already kind of expressed some kind of interest in Miriam. So I'm fully prepared to take sides. <laughs> we can get t-shirts made and everything. It would be wonderful. I'm, I'm sensing a, I mean, I could be wrong and it could not happen at all, but I'm, I'm predicting a Dashwood versus Thorpe situation. And this is only the first book in the series, so if Dashwood versus Thorpe does not happen in this book, it's quite possible that it can happen in the next book. This is a series? No, not a bad way, but are they all published already? <laughs> I don't think so, but I think she's working on them. They're going to be sooner rather than later. I don't want to quote her on this or anything. I know she talked about, um, so I've heard somebody else when reviewing has talked about the series as a whole. So this is just, uh, I think the other ones maybe are an advanced reading stage, maybe? I don't know. We'll have to ask her. We'll have to ask her about that. All right, so read slow is what I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't read that book. So we have to actually finish it by the two, was it 26 that we're having her on? Yeah, we'll be, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. I'm already on chapter eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think our hour is up for the evening. Mm. That went by fast. I know. And my wine is gone. That's how I could tell. <laughs> oh, <alas. laughs> Such a sad thing. And now that this is over, we have to do chores. We really have to be over. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tanya, for coming back. I know this was a return, so we really appreciate you joining us again. Yeah, thank you for having me. And keep working on Havenhurst because I want to know what happens next. And once five, episode five actually comes out, or I should say issue five, whichever, um, We'll have to have you back on for issue five because we yeah, obviously we need to know what happens next on that and we'll need to talk about it and and dissect it and offer theories and yes do what yeah. we do <laughs> yeah I'm I, yeah I'm, I'm really curious to see what um what kind of theories people come back with I had a a guy that bought the full run at a convention he came back the next day and he just had so many questions. And it was just like really interesting because, you know, I'm just like, I'm so close to it that I can't, I, I literally cannot zoom out and see what everyone else sees. So it's really interesting to see what, what kind of um, theories or like patterns people see. That's really well, cool. After the last um, episode that you were on, after we went off air, you and I were, um, Tanya and I were talking. And I was like, okay, so these are the theories I have that are spoilers. I didn't want to share with everybody else. And I'm going through them, and I was like, I said, her face was just classic because it was, you know, the, the standard. <laughs> I know spoilers, you're on the right track, but I don't want <laughs> to ruin it for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I could put these out faster. Um, having the bad back does not help. But... 
um, it's they're definitely going to come out like this is a story that I need to tell and um well you yeah. you write that it's one of the things that I've seen other authors talk about when it comes to the comics as well in the series is you write the story that you have to write that you you know you need to tell but you do it at your own pace. We can't tell you, as much as we can tell you to hurry up and get it done, we we can't, we're, it's only worse because you've got to worry, focus on your quality versus just the quantity. Because then, you know, if you're just focusing on the quantity, you're gonna lose the, the story that we love so much. Yeah, it's okay. I could just release the script, but it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on, and everybody else, join us next week. Now, in theory, we're going to try to get past Chapter 8 for next week. That's um, the game plan. Yeah. We're even shooting for, what, 16? We're doing another 8 chapters? Yeah, we're supposed to be at 16, so it worked out evenly that we'd be at 8 chapters, um, or 4 chapters a week. So, if we can try to make it to 16, we will. If not, we'll... Make it somewhere between five and sixteen. <laughs> That's what we'll get there. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining. Good night. I will see everyone else next week.